0: Hello and welcome to The Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 147 of The Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we're going to kick off another two-part discussion that is an in-depth conversation about planning a trip to Disneyland Paris and how you can turn that trip to Disneyland Paris into a broader Parisian, French, or European vacation. I had a lot of fun recording this episode, reminiscing about Joanna and my trip to London and Paris in 2018. And I brought on a couple of guests who are very knowledgeable about planning a trip to this destination, who have each been a number of times, one of whom is even an annual pass holder to Disneyland Paris. I can't wait to introduce the two of them in just a couple of minutes. Part one of our discussion is going to cover some of the reasons why you should consider taking the trip to Disneyland Paris, how to decide when you should take the trip, how long you should stay, planning how to pack for this vacation and some of the questions around, well, where do we stay when we go to Disneyland Paris and what are some of the differences between the Disneyland Paris resort to the other U.S. destinations you might be familiar with. And in part two, which will be our next podcast episode, we're going to talk more specifically about the parks and how to strategically navigate your way around the parks, where to dine, how to incorporate a larger Parisian vacation and other questions and some final wrap up thoughts about this particular type of vacation, which I strongly encourage you to take if you get the opportunity. At the end of this podcast episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So, grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. So one of the topics of Imagineer Podcast that has been requested for years now is discussing how to plan a trip to Disneyland Paris. When I first started the show, I had not been to Disneyland Paris, but since starting the show, I fortunately have had the opportunity to visit on one occasion. Of course, one occasion is not really enough to give you an in-depth understanding and analysis of how to plan a trip to Disneyland Paris, I could probably learn a thing or two myself. So to really make the most of this episode, I invited two guests onto the show who know a lot more than I do about planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. I like to start with my repeat guests first. So it's been a while though. I want to welcome back, Christina. How are you, Christina?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again.
0: Thanks for coming back. Do you know the last time you were on the show? Because I went back and looked.
1: I want to say 2017.
0: Yes, you were on episode number five. That was the first and unfortunately (laughs) the last time that you were on the show up until now. Mm -hmm. But um, we did. I was listening back to it today. It was a recap of D23 Expo 2017.
1: Yes, I was so enthusiastically excited for that episode. It was great. And just... That was a long time ago. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Amazing
0: <laughs> how things have changed when I listened back yes. to that. Some of the things that are already have been in place for a while and those that are, um, you know, that, that are, that w- it was amazing to hear some of those announcements now and see what's still the case today and how the parks have evolved even beyond that. Um. But a new guest onto the show who I've known for a few years now, who we met through Instagram because of Imagineer podcast is my friend over in the UK, Richard. How are you doing, Richard?
2: I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me on your show. Very excited to be talking about Disneyland Paris, one of my favorite subjects.
0: I am very excited to have you. It was as I was thinking over the last few years of doing the show. It's amazing how long it takes me sometimes to get to topics. You were literally the two people that I had in mind back then. And here we are several years later sitting at the table virtually having this discussion from literally three different locations around the world across the pond. Um, So I want to start before we get, I have some lightning round questions, but I think it's important to kind of set the stage for why I'm having you two as guests on the show. So people aren't just asking themselves, who are these two people from, you know, Orlando in the UK and why, why are they here? Um, Christina, I know we talked a little bit in 2017, but, you know, even your, personal journey has changed since then. So um, I don't want to ask like what makes you eligible to talk about Disneyland Paris, but can you talk a little bit about your you know trips to Disneyland Paris and uh, how long you've been going there?
1: Sure. Um, my first trip to Disneyland Paris came about in 2012 and it resulted from a long distance relationship with my now husband. Um, we had met studying abroad and we were doing long distance. I was living in New York at the time. And so when we were planning trips back and forth, I of course insisted that we had to hit Disneyland Paris literally every time I went over to see him. Mm -hmm. Um, I have since converted him to a full-on Disney fan and we are living just outside of Disney World today. Um, He actually works for Chef de France. So I have some familiarity with many aspects of French culture Obviously, from my specific perspective, but you have gained a lot of insight over the years. And I have gone to Disneyland Paris, I, would, I believe in total, about five times now. And the more recent trip, the most recent trip was back in August of 2021 with the addition of our first little one, My Little Girl. So that completely changed the entire, I guess, flow of our trip. And I'm sure Matt can attest to, like, when you have your child with you, it makes it so much better, but it also changes up how you go about those trips. So I have insight from pre-child years and afterwards, and I am very happy to discuss that in any way you need, Matt.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm excited. That's it, And all those reasons are why I wanted you on the show. Um and richard for you you have been um you know i think almost more uk is is like a local to disneyland paris i mean it's not maybe living in paris but you're yeah. you're close enough that you can get there fairly frequently so do you remember you know when was the first time you went to disneyland paris i feel like you've also been there a number of times
1: <laughs> I, have,
0: Matt, I
2: have been there a number of times so my
0: my first uh memory of apparent uh, disney paris was
2: probably in the year 2000 so Sort of twenty twenty two years ago, when it was it was quite quite new and exciting, yeah. uh, and and completely not what it is today, and I guess you could say. We're really close in the in the UK to France. We've got the tunnel that goes under under the uh, the ocean, which is mm-hmm. pretty good um, to get there quickly. So I have done day trips there, which is a bit of a rush.
0: That's but that, that it, can it, you could consider yourself a local then if you can do that in well, a day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Almost, but yeah, from the year two year two thousand, and then I've probably been 30, 35 times um, over the years. And just seen the place grow and evolve, so it's been a fantastic journey to see Disney Paris. And um, I'm a solo traveler, and I go with my partner Sophie. So I, we 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 go uh, yeah, go out there together. We're both annual pass holders, so we're yeah, we're out there as much as we can now.
0: I love that. And that definitely, you know, again, between the two of you with different experiences coming from different locations, and just the frequency that you've been to Disneyland Paris, I feel like you both are excellent guests for this topic. Um, So let's, let's go through a couple of lightning round questions. Um, Christina, I'll go back to you to start. And Richard, you'll have some prep time to think about this. So Sorry, Christina. But um, thinking specifically about Disneyland Paris, what is your favorite attraction at either of the parks?
1: I'm going to have to go with the big Thunder Mountain version that they have there.
0: That's an excellent answer. I think Tony Baxter would agree with you. Um, <laughs> he reached sort of perfection with Thunder Mountain with Disneyland Paris's version. Um, more broadly in the in the parks around the world, do you have a favorite attraction?
1: My heart will always be with Soren, I think. I, I just, I love the concept of it. I I love feeling like I'm flying and... It, it just has a special place in my heart, for sure.
0: And amazing how, as many Soren locations as there are, there is no Soren at uh, the Disneyland Paris ah, Resort.
1: Good point. That would be a great addition if they could add it there.
0: It would. But and the there's, final
1: scene already. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> they could just keep it at Paris. Um, two more questions for you. Favorite Disney snack? Churros. Good answer. Very classic. And last, mm-hmm. branching outside of the parks, do you have a favorite Disney movie?
1: Oh, man. I'm probably going to have to go with the classic, The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Definitely. That was my childhood favorite and I've just been reliving it a lot recently with my daughter, so it's it's still up there. I was <laughs> thinking
0: recently how our Little Mermaid is basically our children's like Moana and Kanto um sort of revi- even Frozen depending on how old your child is. Um it's amazing to think back to that that time. Richard, you've had prep time now, so uh <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> favorite attraction of disneyland paris right, so,
2: resort. so i gotta come in with big thunder but yeah. i'll give you a number two as well but big thunder is outstanding in paris so you go yeah, out and under the water it's absolutely brilliant so but so we'll give you a number two which is then my favorite at most of the parks and it's the the tower of terror just mm-hmm. like absolutely love that and they've got that at the studios park in um, paris
0: excellent answer all right so we'll we'll see Questions one and two we'll check off then. Um, do you have a favorite Disney snack?
2: Well, I like the, the Mickey premium bars that I can't get in Paris but, as, as much, but that's my favorite when I'm out in the US is the <laughs> Mickey
0: premium bars. One of my favorites as well. Um, usually one that I say is my favorite and favorite Disney movie.
2: Peter Pan. It's got to be Peter Pan. Never grow up. Never grow old. It's just it's just love, love that movie. It's absolutely fantastic.
0: Definitely a great one. Um. Well. Awesome. I'm. I'm glad this gives. Uh. Gives listeners a little bit more of an idea about uh, the two of you. And I'm excited to dive into some of the specifics now. So let's talk first just about from you know approaching Disneyland Paris. And we'll assume most of the listeners, because I I know the data, most of the listeners are local to the U.S. They live in either the U.S. or Canada. So their experience with Disney is either visiting Walt Disney World exclusively or Disneyland California exclusively. Or just those two parks, never having been to Disneyland Paris. So for someone who has only been to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, um, not even thinking about the the distance or the culture, um, you know, how do you describe the the similarities or differences between Disneyland Paris and those two parks? I'll change up the order. I'll go to Richard first because you've gone there a number of times, 35 plus times.
2: Cool. So I, I guess similarities. The, the layout is is pretty much the same across all the parks, but that then does get. A bit confusing also because you think, which park am I in at some, <laughs> at, at some places? So the the fi- familiarity of, of the layout, I think, is lovely. And the uh, the service st- standards that you get consistently across the Disney brand. Now, Paris has struggled with that for a long time, but are getting it very much right now. And it's, it's becoming really, really lovely to see how their service standards are just coming, you know, not, not quite up to the U.S. standards. But that would be the, the kind of similarities that I would... I would see, but you you do have the the differences in getting used to the sort of French way of doing things and you know there's there, there's different stuff in there too which I know we will we'll go on to talk about.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the the cultural aspects of this for sure because that does have some impact on your experience. Um Christina what what would you add to that in terms of similarities or differences?
1: Um similarly to Walt Disney World it is a resort it's not just like two parks with a couple of hotels and then surrounded by other things like you know disneyland in in, um california would be it is its own little kind of bubble there are several resorts that are very highly themed and you have disney village so that that's definitely a similarity and like richard said like it's um the parks themselves have a familiarity to them but my, for me, one of the most enjoyable differences is the fact that a lot of the rides and attractions can be experienced in both French and English within the same ride. So you'll have aspects of it in English and aspects of it in French. Or the fireworks show, for example, will have songs in English and songs in French. And I just think that's so amazing and unique. You can't get that anywhere else. And it just hi- it, it's a highlight of the experience for me that I just absolutely love
0: that's a great answer i think for anyone who's you know interested in getting at least a small taste of that if you go to epcot and ride remy's ratatouille adventure which is essentially modeled directly after the version at the walt disney studios park in paris you just amplify that across the entire park and that entire resort and that's kind of the experience that you get it's definitely a bilingual um experience and just like at walt disney world and disneyland you could pick up a guide map that's in english and french in portuguese in mandarin in japanese they have every all these different german especially because you're in europe so lots of uh, lots of european languages so german mm-hmm. is there um Finished italian still. yeah so you have you have a lot of different ways to access the park even if you do not speak english or french as your your first two languages but i do i do enjoy that aspect of disneyland paris and i do agree you know i I always had that going to Magic Kingdom and Disneyland in the U.S. You'd you'd step foot onto Main Street, USA, and there's this odd familiarity and yet difference at the same time. You know you're somewhere Mm. else, but it feels exactly the same. And you get that at Disneyland Paris just by looking at the castle walking down Main Street. You sense you're in the same place, but the castle is different. The Emporium is different. You have this interesting walkway that you can take behind the Emporium that's enclosed. Um, so there's, you know, these unique little differences in any turn left and there's still Frontierland on your left and Tomorrowland or in the case of Disneyland Paris, Discoveryland on your right. That's one of the differences from an Imagineering perspective I actually love about Disneyland Paris is that they realized there is this ongoing issue with Tomorrowland where the concept of tomorrow is always changing. So it always needs to be updated. That's why Tomorrowland gets so many refurbishments throughout history. So they said, in order to solve for that problem, let's come up with Discovery Land, which is the version that was thought of in history as to what the future would be—sort of the Jules Verne era of what mm. the future might look like. So I always, you know, and they haven't really—they've made some refurbishments here and there, updated attractions, but Discovery Land's core remains just like it did when the park opened. Um, so I, I think that's a, a wonderful difference to add to that as well. But um, yeah, very much similar um and very similar to to disneylands um you know christina to your point it is more of a resort more of a bubble but still everything is walking distance which is very nice um so you can sort of stay yeah. and walk and not have to worry about taking a bus or a monorail um or a boat um, although they do have some of those things there uh you don't have to take that in order to get you can still walk to the to the parks or disney village um so we'll we'll talk about uh you know we're gonna we're gonna step away from the parks for a minute and come back to it because if you're convinced you should take a trip to Disneyland Paris I think the starting point is well when am I going to go how long should I go to Paris um you know what's the best time of year France is more of a seasonal climate than folks in the US are used to going to Disneyland or Walt Disney World. There are pictures and you can experience Disneyland Paris in the snow um, or in the heat. In the case that I went in July and it was quite hot when I went to Disneyland Paris. So you definitely get the seasonal climate being there. So, um, you know, Christina, you're coming from a longer distance. So I feel like you're perhaps a little bit more strategic about time of year visiting Disneyland Paris. When do you typically advise going um or some of the things to think about to just to make that decision and how long would you recommend for a first timer to consider staying either at the the parks themselves or more broadly on the vacation
1: okay um most of my trips have been in august and that's more out of necessity with school schedules than anything and i know a lot of people probably have a similar situation you're going to probably you have a family, you'll likely travel during the summer months. And in France, the weather can vary so much in the mm-hmm. summertime. Um, we actually, when we went last year, I was all prepared. I made sure that we selected hotels that listed air conditioning because that is not something that is always standard in Europe. And we Americans, <laughs> we <true>. sure <laughs> love our air conditioning, right? We are spoiled. We are spoiled. And the French, uh Let's just say that I'm making a generalization here. I have to clarify with that, otherwise my French husband would get at me about it. But um, they aren't huge fans of air conditioning, so it's definitely something to keep in mind. But the weather can vary in the sense that in 2021, during the same week, the high temperatures in Fahrenheit were in like the 60s and 70s and rainy. And then we had family come visit us this year during that same time period and the temperatures were in the hundreds. (laughs) So definitely recommend, if you are considering a summer trip out of necessity, check the weather as closely to your departure date as possible and plan to pack in layers for that very reason. Because in the same week, the temperature could vary so very much. I would say my most enjoyable time to go would be in October, November or like April, May. Those are more enjoyable trips. The weather is a little bit more temperate. You still have a lot of variation. It's still cooler than what you would expect in the US parks, like the springtime, it's probably gonna be anywhere in like the mid forties to upper sixties, kind of the same for fall. Um, So you're definitely still going to need those layers, but it's a lot more comfortable to be exploring the park during those time periods. So that would be my recommendation. However, in terms of, let's see, the first trip, it really depends on what your priorities are, I feel, because I'm sure we'll touch on this. If your intention is more so to visit Paris, the city itself, or other, other parts of Europe, then you probably will only want to devote one or two days maximum to visiting Disneyland Paris. However, if you want to take a more leisurely approach or you have a little bit more than the standard two weeks vacation that a lot of us U.S. people have, then I would recommend for a first timer, then I would say three days, three full days, if you could, to really enjoy it and not have to rush through it.
0: That's a great answer. Um, We've been once, Joanna and myself, the time that we did go, we overbooked ourselves i feel on (laughs) the experiences we saw not that we underestimated we knew very well how much there is to do in these locations but we were also considering again time off that we had budget and what we wanted to see and make the most use of it so we bucketed together london paris and disneyland paris and did not give either of those their due diligence in terms of the amount of time we should have spent in those places. Um, so we spent just a day at Disneyland Paris, and that you know it. On one hand, we feel like we didn't see enough of Disneyland Paris, but on the other hand, we felt like we wanted to see more of Paris because we mm. you know we have two Disney parks in the U.S. and as much as we love Disneyland Paris, um, how often are we going to be in Paris itself? So anyway. Richard, I wanted to turn to you because you've probably been multiple different times of year, unless you take the mm. same the same time of year every time yeah, you go. Um, so, what else would you add in terms of picking a season to visit Disneyland Paris?
2: So, I'm 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 with you, Christina, on the AC, the air conditioning. I like a good air conditioned room, and even <laughs> if you check if it's got AC. Sometimes it doesn't work. It's uh, broken and it's not. Or it works to
1: French standards, which means if it's 100 degrees outside, it's maybe 80 in your room. Yeah. So
2: just be prepared for that. Be prepared. Yeah, do be prepared, even in some some of the sort of uh, higher end hotels. Um, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone coming across the pond and what would and exactly what you just said, Matt apportioning the right amount of time to we want to see Paris but we want to see a bit of England and and the UK and we're a Disney fan so I guess it depends how far up you are on the Disney fan scale like what how long you want to spend in in the parks of which you know there's two parks but they everything is walking distance um I think if you're if you're a Disney fan three three days in the in the parks um you're gonna get you're going to get a bit of everything and you're going to see most things that you you want to see depending what your priorities are and there's you've got the the fast pass stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about shortly oh, yes. which which will um which which is going to help you do that um you've got you've got a great train called the Eurostar which goes from the center of London literally into the Disneyland park you get out the train and you can see disney village you can see the studios turn around and you can see disneyland it's absolutely fantastic so that takes you two and a half hours i mean from city to city sorry from disney into the city you can also get the same train direct into the center of paris so depending on how you how you you know do your bits and pieces you can get into center of paris from disneyland in an uber in an hour to an hour and a half depending on where you want to go and the train is about an hour to an hour and a half depending where you want to go so you, it's all so doable um if you're if you're coming across I, I i kind of flip it around and go, how long do i need in the u.s when i come over and i know the part is very different in yes. florida with the, <laughs> the, the vastness of everything um and, and i'm thinking you know if you came over for a week you could see paris disney paris and london quite well in my opinion and if you get super super organized but i'm with you it's very easy to just rush around and try and do everything badly or poorly and then you go oh i didn't see what i wanted to see in each of these places but i think three days in at the parks because there's two um one's bigger than the other uh in in terms of you know sizes the studios park is quite small but it's growing it's expanding but three three days and Again, we come onto the ticketing because that might drive your decisions as well in how they do the ticketing because it's quite unique um how they do the ticketing at, at at Paris and that might drive your decisions too. Um and and then I guess you it's budget. Budget's got to come into it. Where where do you wanna stay? Nice hotels in the centre of Paris have nice price tags, um, but you but you can do it on a budget too. You've got you know you've got some really good, good hotels, but again, Christine is right. Check the air conditioning because we know how much you Americans like the air conditioning,
0: especially in August and July for sure. Um, we we chose to stay because we we actually did make it a Paris vacation with. An extension to see Disneyland Paris. One of those days, we were organized, I will add. So we we saw everything on our list. But we just, you know, would have wanted to spend more time in all of those places and see more maybe go back to other places a second time. Um, but we stayed with a, a Hilton, which is a US brand. And so in July, they had the air conditioning that we wanted. Um, I think one thing that surprises a lot of people for visiting in the summer, that again we expected but it is unique to go and living in the UK richard i feel like you experienced it just from the very beginning whereas we don't necessarily have that here but in um is is the hours of daylight that you get um being in in paris or in the uk i mean i remember standing in stonehenge at uh it was 5 in the afternoon. Whereas if you're in the US in July at five in the afternoon, it's bright, but the sun is getting, you know, starting to set. But it was almost like high noon at five in the at five in the evening, um, being at Stonehenge. And it's the same thing. If you're if you're, you know, watching the sunset at the Eiffel Tower, don't plan for an 8 p.m. sunset. It's gonna be like a 9:30, 10 PM sunset. <laughs> um, if you're visiting close to uh, you know, the the summer equinox. So uh, another, another factor to consider is just the, the hours Definitely. of daylight that you get.
2: Can I jump in back on yeah. the, the, the seasons as well? Because yes. I didn't answer that bit, Matt. And I think you're right with hours of you know, hours of daylight, et cetera. Um, it can get brutally cold. Like the, the winters are really like they're cold. And even though I, I like going all the different seasons, it's great fun uh, christine said it layer layer up and expect it to be cold because some people don't like stuff and you know when it's cold and it, it, it's a lot of out, outside stuff even though we get the weather in in paris and i think even checking the weather right up to it in the uk in paris in brussels and amsterdam it it can just change and rain and go gray <laughs> and you just got to factor it in it's it's i say to people that come to the uk then they say, when's the best time to come? I'm going, well, the, the summer's beautiful. We can get some beautiful days and it can get quite hot in August. Like, so May and June's lovely, but it will rain. Just factor it in. It's not going to not rain. It's going to rain. Um, and, and and you will get wet. But, it, you know, it's part of being in Europe. It's the weather system. It's why it's so beautifully green. And it's such a beautifully landscaped green park. You know, it's really, really lovely.
1: Well, there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. <laughs> <laughs> <So
0: important. laughs> thunder mountain does feel a little different when it's brutally cold (laughs) um, to be perfectly fair Um, it bites a little bit um as you're as you're riding and your face can get a little uh red and (laughs) um, okay even though it's not that fast of a a coaster it it can uh it can definitely uh Mm -hmm. it feels different than when you're riding in the heat um so all right, so that I mean, there's there's some things that I think will impact the number of days when we we get to talking about some of the other places that are easy to visit. And also, I wanted to add that um, to Richard's point about the the train system in general. I mean, we no one here when you go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland talks about taking a train to the park. It just we do not have the train infrastructure in the U.S. like exists in Europe, mm. and you right. I mean, the way we did it. Similar situation, although we took the train directly into Paris and then, you know, then we took their local metro and train system to get to Disneyland Paris on that one day. Nice. Eurostar is wonderful. Um, the probably the most pleasant travel experience I've ever had. Um, wow. you know, including maybe even like first class airline tickets. Like, I just loved Eurostar, it was just such a wonderful, smooth, pleasant experience. Um, And quick to, to Richard's point that they, they travel fast. Um, those trains go, I think up to 180 miles per hour. Um, which you could do the math on the kilometers. You you lift it out of your seats on the, on the Hills when you're going over them.
2: It's, it's a great train, isn't it Matt? And, and it's, it's, it's sped up over the years. It used to take longer, but we've now got better infrastructure with the fast tracks and you get in, in two and a half hours. It's, it's just really great and straight into the park. Yeah, the, oh, Like you did, you went into Paris first, into Paris Central, and then you got on the train across, and equally as good.
0: Yeah. And it is quick. It is, I think, I actually tracked um, or I looked up the distance. If you wanted to go from the Eiffel Tower to Disneyland Paris, it's roughly 40 kilometers, which in miles is about 25 miles. So you're talking about, for those who are familiar with the US, about the distance from Orlando International Airport to Walt Disney World to Magic Kingdom. That's about the same distance to get from the heart of Paris to Disneyland Paris, it's quite close. Um, so, if you are, you know, well, well actually, let's talk about hotels because then we'll we'll get to talking about maybe um, you know the various ways to get to Disneyland Paris, which we also covered a little bit. I think maybe the train might mm-hmm. be the best way, but there's also, um, you know, you could take a. If you are driving, you can drive to Disneyland Paris. If you are, uh, you know, to Richard's point, you could take an Uber. Um, you can also, I know they have a an express shuttle that you can take from various points in Paris. I haven't yeah. heard of many people using it. And I think it's very regimented in the time that it picks you up and drops you off from a specific locations. So I haven't heard too much about that particular system. Um,
2: so there's, let, there's, the, yeah, do, to, do you want me to carry, carry on yeah, on that point, Matt? Go ahead, you've got, the, um, you've got the, the, the shuttle buses, I think, is that what you mean, the coaches? As in yes. shuttles, yes, yes, the coaches or shuttles um, are regimented um, in where they do and don't go, and they're and they're paid for services. And when you're adding up, maybe a family ticket, it's sometimes cheaper to do an Uber, um, or, and the train is faster. There's also a fast train between Charles de Gaulle Airport and Disney Paris, and it's a nine-minute service. The train actually takes from the That's airport amazing. to to Paris. But you do have to check their websites to when you can. You know, it's, it goes. I think every sort of fifteen minutes. But it's like you've got to get your tickets in advance and get organized, which you would be on an overseas trip. But it's, uh, <laughs> I hope it's so. a great, it's a great, it's a great service.
0: Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so let's talk about places to stay. Uh, we referenced that there are there are multiple hotels. I mean, Christina, you pointed out the fact that it's not just your three hotels at you know Disneyland. You have really except for the good neighbor hotels, you really have three hotels to pick from at Disneyland. But I think people are surprised when they look at the list of hotels at Disneyland Paris and realize that there's six or seven of them. Uh, You have, you know, everything from like the Disney Hotel Santa Fe to the Disney Newport Bay Club, which I equate kind of to the Yacht and Beach Club. It has very much a very similar um, aesthetic to it Um, all the way up to the Disneyland Hotel, which is sort of their um, sort of their grand Floridian, but not exactly the same as, as grand Floridian doesn't look quite the same, but very I much It's a property though, for
1: sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely their flagship property. And the great thing about it. I mean, you enter Disneyland Paris, the park, um, underneath through the sort of the first level or the lower level, um, underneath the Disneyland hotel. So if you are staying in the Disneyland hotel, you're pretty much sleeping where in the magic kingdom, you would have the turnstiles. Um, yeah. To enter into the Magic Kingdom. So talk about the view that you have from Disneyland Hotel. You are basically sleeping in Disneyland Paris. Um, so where do um, Christina, we'll go to you first. Where do you, where have you stayed? Where do you suggest people consider staying? Because again, there's there's multiple options for for this resort.
1: Well, being a crazy Disney fan like myself, I mm-hmm. love staying on property when I can, and especially since we now live very, very close to Walt Disney World. When I am going to Disneyland Paris, I like to be immersed. Yeah. So we have stayed in the past at the Newport Bay Club Resort, and like Matt already stated, it's it reminds me basically of a mesh between yacht and beach club. It even if if you go into the um, gift shop. One of my favorite little things you can see in there, they actually have a Mickey Mouse statue that's very reminiscent of the statue on the Disney Magic in their gift shop. So just a little highlight there, but you'll get that sense right there. It's a very nautical-esque place, really nice hotel, a little bit more on the higher end side with an indoor-outdoor swimming pool, which is great when you have seasonal temperatures like they do really, really easy way to walk into the parks from there. It's very convenient. And that's, I feel like what you're paying for when you're staying on property there, you're paying for the convenience and you're you're paying for the immersion. So when it was just myself and my husband, and then my sister-in-law and uh, a cousin, we stayed there. They were, we were all older. Um, we liked that vibe. We wanted to be closer. It was great. This past trip with a three year old in hand, we decided to do the Hotel Cheyenne, which is more along the lines of what you'd have as a moderate resort, I would say, in comparison to Walt Disney World. And the reason we chose that again, convenience. We wanted to still be within walking distance. It's a little bit farther than some of the other hotels, but you're still within 20 minutes' distance of being right in the center of it all um, by walking, which is incredible. And then there's an eight minute shuttle. But the Theming at that resort is just fantastic when you have a three-year-old, especially, or any little ones. It's like walking into a western. And they did a phenomenal job with everything there, especially the exteriors of all of the buildings. You really feel like you're walking into a western all of Woody and Jesse. It's it's <laughs> like a cartoon western. And he did a fabulous job with that. There's lots of character sightings when you're walking around. And mind you, that was a lot of character sightings in the midst of the COVID situation there. We still saw Woody and Jesse every day when we were walking over to the parks. It it, it just, it was phenomenal. I loved it. The rooms themselves were pretty basic. It did have air conditioning. We didn't really need it at the time because the temperature was so low, but that was there. Um, And it was... like I said, you're paying for the convenience of it. We did also kind of resort hop a little bit to visit what was going on with the other places in the past. And in this most recent trip, we saw Sequoia Lodge in our trip in 2015. Was it? Yes. Then Sequoia Lodge is another resort. I would say it's kind of on the deluxe end, not quite in my opinion, but it's it's I think that's what they're going for with it and if you are looking for more a wilderness lodge kind of vibe that's probably more of what you're looking for also really great um pool to it the Hotel Cheyenne on the lower end does not have a swimming pool but again we didn't really care because we just wanted to be in the parks and be immersed but Sequoia Lodge was not open in 2021 when I went unfortunately it still had not reopened um Same with Santa Fe had not reopened. That's more of like a value resort level, I would say. Uh, We did get to go to the Hotel Marvel though, Um, Hotel New York, Art of Marvel, right after it had opened. And that was fantastic. Uh, We were lucky enough to grab a reservation at their premier restaurant, Manhattan restaurant, I believe it's called. And the food there, just like anywhere in France, really was amazing. We really loved it. And icing on the cake for anybody who is a football fan out there, Mbappe was in the restaurant when we were there. So my husband was pretty excited about that. Um, we couldn't get an autograph though. His security stopped everybody, (laughs) but it's a sign that, you know, it's a pretty decent place, you know, when a guy like that is, is visiting it when he's doing his little, you know, PR tour of Disneyland, um, I think, did I touch on every one of them there? Oh, then there's also Davy Crockett Ranch, which is off property, about 15 minute drive off property. Really cool, kind of gives you like Fort Wilderness vibes and like they have cabins that are very spacious. Um, and then Villages, uh, Nature, I believe it's called, is kind of not quite a Disney hotel. It's almost, I feel like it's more of like a good neighbor kind of a relationship that they have. Um, but it's a really cool concept like an echo kind of resort luxury resort with like apartments and whatnot um and then like matt said you got disneyland paris hotel which is currently being renovated it's going to be palace like when they're done they're talking like michelin star dining i mean fit for a princess or prince i hope one day to check that off my bucket list it's definitely very, very high end. My husband has stories about, you know, Michael Jackson stayed there. That was a big thing because the French love Michael Jackson, so that was always brought up all the time. Um, and then having the buffet lunch with characters there for anniversaries and whatnot. It's the place to be if you can stay at Disneyland Paris. It's the place to be. But I think I did a whole roundup there. I, I think you. I think you.
0: I think you mentioned all of the the hotels. Um, with a, a few great stories about why you might want to stay in sort of the different levels between the value up to the the deluxe level or how it would equate to that in the walt disney world um <clears throat> landscape uh richard for you um you know anything to add to that um any place else that you've you've stayed on that list that you enjoy sure.
2: yeah it's a great roundup This the, the disneyland hotel opens in 2024 the relaunch of and it's going to be amazing a a top tip is to go in there during your stay and experience the character the characters are walking around in there um you can go and have a coffee they're there was, I think there is going to be a, a music bar in there that I always go to. I normally start my trip off in the hotel, um, even if I'm not staying there, and go yeah. in the music bar and just chill out. Sometimes I'd go into the buffet breakfast. They had a um, California restaurant in there as well, which we'll talk about when we come to restaurants. But <laughs> beautiful, beautiful hotel and it's it, the views. And there's also, there's an elevator that goes from club level to, down to its own secret entrance um from that hotel and it's just superb. Um the the Marvel Hotel New York has done a great theming beautiful um I, I won't go into, into more details on that but it's beautiful and then you 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 come out of uh, disney village and you've got this big lake with your with your air balloon that goes up and around it you've got those hotels that christina just listed in there they're absolutely lovely to go into each one of them i do like finishing our evening off by walking into one of those lake hotels and having a drink at the bar there's an amazing um avengers bar in the uh uh, marvel avengers bar and there's also a doctor strange bar. we talk about that when we talk about bars (laughs) are we um Newport Bay Club, one of my favourites. The club level's beautiful. The views are lovely, and it's huge. Um, the Santa Fe one is car themed um, for the car, the car, the kids that love the car themes. And um, you've got the uh, sort of partner hotels that are out and about. I've All got shuttle buses that, that are regular and free that come in and out from from uh, the, the entrance to to the hotels, um, ranging from Ibis, Marriotts. Um, a favourite of mine is called the Relis Bar, hotel and um it's pretty nice and very reasonable if you book up ahead. Family rooms in a lot of these all of these hotels have got family rooms. A lot of the hotels that aren't Disney hotels have got little kitchens as well. So you can get your supermarket shop delivered. Um, Don't forget that when you stay on property in the Disney hotel, you get the extra magic hours. So you get the um you get the hour today for example 9.30, 8.30 a.m. till 9.30 a.m. You get an extra one hour in either of the parks, which is just like brilliant. Um The uh, other hotels to consider um, is like a circle of uh, hotels, just slightly out from the Disney ones. One's called uh, Hotel Explorers, one's called Dream Castle and one's called Grand Magic. I've stayed in each one of them. They're quite basic. But they're great, and the theming's really good for non-Disney hotels. They 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 push their own theming in a little bit, like your, your Swan and Dolphin. They push a bit of the theming in there, and you you are paying for location. But the shuttles are very very um, rapid and regular, uh, you know, coming in and out. And again, budget driven, I guess. You, you 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 can pay. I've the best price I've got in dollars when I've gone off season in the Sequoia Lodge is sixty five dollars in a standard room, which is, is a steal but you can is. pay up to, you can pay up to 400 bucks, 500 bucks a night in that same hotel. Um, and then the Disneyland flagship, yeah, the prices range as far as you want, because they'll be building the suites in there and the, the club level stuff with all the goodies in there as well. So you got it all, you've got it all.
1: They, they're, I found though, I was pretty surprised when I was comparing offsite during peak, I guess, August time, um, well, peak for Americans anyway. Um, that it was actually more affordable for us to stay in a hotel on property when you added in the cost of the tickets, which I know you had already mentioned, Richard. Like it, when you have an annual pass, it's different. But um, when you're paying for those tickets completely and then you subtract that from the total cost of a hotel, it was, it was barely anything more than the off-site or slightly off-site hotels because they're still very close by so definitely shop around depending on your time of year if you have a little bit of flexibility in your in your travel plans it can really work to your advantage because they sell it as a package which is very different i feel you actually get a discount a significant discount oftentimes
0: let's maybe talk about that because i want to Of course talk about the parks a little bit so to get to the parks you have to pay to get into the parks and you either have an annual pass like richard or you do to christina's point a package deal or you pay for the tickets secondary which is what we did when we went since we were staying way off property in in the heart of paris um so um i guess Christina, i'll turn to you because you've done it now recently so what are some of the the differences in the options that are available if you're staying on property or off or slightly off property, um, in terms of well, even I of tickets, park I
1: with family and we drove in, um, we had to buy our own tickets. Um, you know, you're always going to have that as a cost, right? To me, it's like almost like a sunk cost. If you're determined to go to Disneyland Paris, you're going to have that. Right. Um, but the way that they structure the tickets is, is similar in the sense that you can get a one day ticket, you can get a one day park hopper. Um, but when you book a trip through the hotel package, you're often going to see a significant discount, like I said, um, on the park hopper tickets, and you don't have to reserve your particular dates because everything's already done for you because that is something that you have to consider. When you buy a one day ticket, you have to reserve your day in advance at some point um, in order to enter the parks. Um, So that is super nice. It's one less thing you have to think about on this ultra complicated trip overseas, right? So it just takes off that stress with it. Not to mention the discount is always great. Um, but otherwise I would I'm I don't know. Like I'm trying to th- rack my brain. I don't really think there's that much of a difference in terms of how they structure the tickets themselves. You just obviously don't often see them advertising 10-day park passes because most people are only there for a few days at most. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I mean, there you can, you can definitely you d- uh... I mean I would love to,
1: <laughs> but i only have so many pto days right so it's
0: it's like taking 10 days at disneyland california it it can be done just most people don't um it is that one to four day sort of range depending on how much you want to see um richard anything that you would add you know because you've also done this i think as a as a non annual pass holder in the past as well
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I've bought tickets, it, it's changed, uh, like Disney changes the, the structure as all businesses do and the current structure of ticketing. I think it's a little bit confusing. Um, I'll do my utmost to simplify it because it can get a bit confusing on their website, but Christina's tip is amazing to be able to bundle it in with the hotels where it, to bring the cost down is fantastic. And I'll just add in there in terms of like seasonality, check the French school holidays before yes. you go as well, because they, that will determine the busyness, the costs of hotels, etc. And they're different to UK holidays. They, they, they finish a bit sooner. Some, so basically check the French holidays on the French sort of uh, school. Actually in the
1: same. month of May, <laughs> there's right, a holiday yeah. every week in May.
2: Oh yes. Um, Pretty
1: sure. So big holiday
2: so check, in France. Check, check, check all of that. And, um, tickets, um so they do this weird thing called undated ticket and dated ticket but you still have to lock your date in so you need to get a dated ticket which is cheaper anyway um and you can buy a one park ticket or a two park ticket as well there's that that's factored in it's best to go for two parks in my in my opinion uh, because it you know, it really is. It gets cheaper the more days you buy, like it does with most things. So, if you bought four days, it brings the cost right down. Um, but this is my top tip buy an annual pass. Um, but there's four different levels of annual pass. The reason I say this, but the caveat with Christina is look at your bundles with your hotels as well, because you're going to likely might get a deal there. But if you buy the entry level annual pass, it's cheaper than buying three days of tickets Um, it's a steal and my second top tip on there you can pay monthly but the only way to get that monthly deal is to go on the french version of the website use your google translates you can translate it into american and it allows you to pay monthly in installments on an annual pass and that's my that's my tip on that because it's it's really difficult to find how to get an annual pass Um, we got our last annual pass on the site and we went up, but there was a little time window that you had to go up to. It's almost like they didn't want you to know, but, <laughs> but there's all these little hacks with, um, with like, like with anything. So have a look at the annual passes. On the website, you can see all the benefits of all four passes. Um, we've not gone for the all singing all dancing one this time around because we looked at it and went, oh, they've brought a new rule in and we have to book in advance and we can only lock in three consecutive days. Um, on an annual pass now so it's changed a bit but it's still worth looking at that annual pass price and looking at christine's tip about hotels and packages because that will that would be uh be, be fantastic there's also um vip tour ticket that you can do um for I, th- I think it's up to 10 people and that ranges in price I've never done it it's on the list. Um, and, and th- there's minimums on that. And I think it's, uh, about $850 an hour, but it, it, it ranges and, and there's a minimum of f- for seven hours. You can also, I found out rent out an attraction at Disney for about 50 grand us, or you can also, <laughs> if it's you in can your you can rent a land as well. I found out whilst having this doing, doing some research for about two hundred and fifty grand. I guess that's what corporates would probably do. <laughs> and <plumbers>. I just thought <laughs> it, it was a bit of fun to throw that in there. But ticketing wise, check the website and um, don't. I think the hotel bundle stuff is really worth checking out to, to see what you can get on deals there too.
1: Yeah, because sometimes with the hotel bundles, I was noticing even last year. I don't know if it's still available, but they were even doing deals where they included half board, which is essentially. The equivalent of a dining plan, the really nice. plan that we no longer have in WDW. But um, there's I, I've never heard that tip before, Richard, and that's amazing for someone like me who maybe will plan a little bit of a longer trip. That That's fantastic. The flexibility there.
0: You so know, that's you. that's that's the first step to getting to Paris is you just buy the annual pass, to Disneyland Paris, and then justify. Well, I have to go because I'm an annual pass holder. How could I not go as an annual pass holder?
1: Got to get money's worth, right?
2: That's my excuse. You get some great bonuses on the annual pass, like you do with the the U.S. passes. Um, money off your dining, off your merchandise, and your goodies and your snacks and entrance into things on the top plan you can also go into the swimming pools at all the different resorts even if you're not staying there um yeah there's 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 some really good goodies and parkings free when you go on the affinity pass and you get your own entrance into the park which is really nice we also get discount at the entrance to both of the parks you can leave your luggage um you can pay for that as well but you can leave your luggage if you were going on the Eurostar and you've got to check out for your hotel you can leave your luggage at the entrance to the park um, and you get a discount on that on the annual pass, but you can do that even if you don't have an annual pass. And it's a nice little little uh, thing to do if you you, you don't wanna go all the way back to your hotel, um, bring your bags in, into the storage, and then you're straight on the Eurostar into London
0: or Paris.
1: That's fantastic.
0: That's a great idea, especially if you are on the back end of a trip to your point, you checked out of your resort, you wanna go straight onto the train to take it to London or anywhere else in Europe from there. That would be wonderful. I would not advise for anyone listening taking uh the train from charles de gaulle on your first day and spending that day in disneyland paris because you know most flights from the u.s are going to be red eyes um overnight and you will be exhausted (laughs) most (laughs) likely uh going to the park that first day um but that that that's wonderful they have that service i'm i'm now considering becoming an annual pass holder to disneyland (laughs) paris just uh you have to to. justify going (laughs) Yeah, yeah before being a disneyland california annual pass holder i'm going to become a disneyland paris annual pass holder Not the same month, time, month right? <laughs> <laughs> um well let's talk about the parks now that we've we've gotten to that we, we've gotten our ticket so there are those two parks and i, I, I completely agree with And with that, we close out episode 147 of the Imagineer podcast and our first part of this two-part discussion all about planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. I hope you found part one to be really informative. Transitioning to part two, like I mentioned in the beginning, we're going to discuss our park-going strategy in terms of how we would navigate the parks. We also talk a bit about where we would like to eat and where we suggest you consider eating. Plus, we talk about how to incorporate this trip into a larger Parisian vacation, some of the Uh, cultural differences between Paris and France and the United States, and some final wrap-up thoughts about why you should consider planning a vacation to Disneyland Paris. I want to turn this conversation over to you first, and well, we've talked a bit about the hotels. Of the hotel options that we mentioned, plus any place else you might stay in Paris, where would you recommend staying on a trip to Disneyland Paris or to the larger Metro Paris area. You can send me your answers and feedback as always in many different ways. You can reach out on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and even better in our Facebook group, which is called The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, because that's a place you get to share your answer and see what other listeners of the show have to say about this subject and about all things Disney as well. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whatever podcast app you are listening to this podcast on. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify in particular or any other podcast app you might be listening to that has ratings available, that does a lot to help this community out because it increases our relevance in these communities and it lets others know what they can expect. And maybe we'll convince somebody to listen to Imagineer podcast. So I do appreciate those of you who have left ratings and reviews in the past and encourage you to do so if you haven't done so yet. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast to the next level, please do consider joining our Patreon group, which is over at ImagineerPodcast.com, or you can find it at Patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast, I should say. But I do have a link for you over at ImagineerPodcast.com as well. That's a way you can support the show and unlock extra content, things like bonus podcast episodes, streamable binaural audio, which is one of my favorite perks you can listen to on the go from uh, about 50 or so, uh, actually closer to 60 now, recordings uh, from the Disney parks, both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Hey, I got to get around to Disneyland Paris and make some recordings over there as well. Uh, But you can unlock those, plus access to our private Facebook group. We do virtual events, especially watch parties. It's one of my favorite weekly events that we host together. And it's just a great way to, again, support the show and unlock some bonus content. It's very easy to sign up, and it's very easy to cancel as well if you decide it's not right for you. Um, It's no strings attached. Just head to patreon.com slash to learn more and see what's currently available, because depending on when you're listening to the show, terms and conditions are subject to change. And when you're ready to book a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Aulani, Disney uh, Disney cruise line or even disneyland paris for that matter definitely look into our travel planner uh, magical park vacations they are a complimentary service that can help to answer a lot of questions about where to stay and they'll also go ahead and book your vacation for you again it's a complimentary service you can rely on their expertise to help plan out an amazing vacation for you if you're looking for a little bit of extra support and extra magic, you'll want to consider working with their concierge planning team over at WDW Park Planners. You can learn more about them at www.parkplanners.com. They will not only help to answer some of those questions and help to you know book your vacation for you, but they'll take it a step further in planning out the specifics about how to navigate the parks and come up with a personalized itinerary for your family. They don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach, so if you're reading blogs and just looking online and seeing lots of suggestions, but thinking maybe it's not right for your family, they'll come up with, again, a specific itinerary for your family based on what it is you like to do, what your interests are, how long you're planning to stay, how many days you're planning to go to the parks, they work within your interest level, knowing trying to get a little to know a little bit more about your family, um, and they'll come up with an amazing plan. They've done so for me, um, and I'm, again, a very type A person who likes to come up with my own plans for my Disney vacation. But after working with them, I think I'm done. Like, I, I'm going to just look to them to the future, because they did such an amazing job coming up with a plan for my family. So, again, head to WDW Park Planners to learn more about them as well. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, to go after your hopes, dreams, goals, whatever those might be. When it comes to this specific topic, I also want you to think about how you might be able to make this vacation possible. I know if you're here in the United States, if you've never traveled abroad, the idea of flying across the pond to visit Disneyland Paris seems so intangible, but I can tell you that coming from the United States, especially on the East Coast, but hey, even in the middle of the country and the West Coast, it's not as intangible as you think, and it can be much more affordable than you might think on the surface. All it takes is some research and thought. Again, consider working with a travel planner like Magical Park Vacations, but even if you do it on your own, just take some creative thinking and you can have an amazing time on a budget enjoying Paris, London, Disneyland, Paris, anywhere else you might want to go in Europe. Not to spend a month there. Of course, it's going to cost quite a bit, but there are so many ways that you can still enjoy one to two weeks in Disneyland, Paris, and in the surrounding areas and do so without breaking the bank. So if you've just totally written it off, please put it back on the list of options. And I think, especially now that we've had, uh, we've lived through a pandemic where we couldn't travel internationally. It has given me such a greater appreciation for international travel and we're going to talk a bit about in part 2 about cultural empathy so i'll leave that as a teaser for part 2 and why you should consider traveling to Disneyland Paris but this is a long way of saying whatever it is you're dreaming to do or whatever you might think is perhaps intangible as soon as you start listing out and researching the steps and thinking through how to make it possible it's amazing that you really can bring these ideas to life and remember as always that inspiring quote from horizons if you can dream it you can do it thank you so much for listening to the show and we'll see you again in a future episode of the imagineer podcast
1: Here they are, Remy. Des invités pour le dîner. Yes, but what to prepare?
0: Hein? Pour le repas idéal. Cocovin? Non. A
1: simple omelet? Too simple. Voilà. Mais oui, that's it! <laughs> When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing, the joy
0: is never-ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.